I like that uh, intro video there. I had a student tell me that you uh, should dance on your way up the, you know, up the stage there, Todd. And, uh, yeah, nobody wants to see that, so no thanks. All right. Hey, glad that we could be uh, together uh, this weekend. As, uh, like I said, we're continuing this conversation in the series, the unconventional influencer. Uh, and the heartbeat behind this series is we're really pressing in to that idea of influence. Uh, last week, Pastor Jeff kicked us off, and I encourage you, uh, if you missed the conversation last week, uh, please go back. You can find it on the app. Uh, catch up on the conversation, because it lays a really good foundation of where we're going to be going this weekend, uh, as well as the next few. And so um, we, we pressed into this idea that being an influencer in culture is actually not a new thing. Uh, it's been around, really, since the beginning of time, all right? But as we think about this influence, what is new uh, is the amount of people that can have influence in our culture, all right? Uh, here's, here's what we mean by that. Uh, historically, to have a platform of uh, influence, you probably have accomplished something. Maybe you've uh, written a, a top-selling book, or maybe you have some level of a skill, like, a, like an athlete or, or someone like that. Maybe you accomplished something that is pretty miraculous, right? Those things can lead us, right, uh, to having an influence, to having a platform where we can gain a following. Well, I think today it's actually a little bit different. I think if you have an opinion and a smartphone, you can have influence, right? Our culture has shifted a little bit with that. And, and let me tell you that there are some downsides to having really influence accessible to us so easily. Really, a downside is that people can rail against, right, our influence, because our opinion might be something that they don't want to hear. And what happens is uh, people will shift their, you know, followership, right? Will follow their influencers differently. And, and if something's said that we don't agree with, canceled, right? But there's a lot of upside to having the ability to influence, and having it so accessible to us. And so last week, uh, Pastor Jeff really uh, laid the foundation for us and, and, and kind of had us imagine if you and I were standing in front of thousands of people and you were told that you have 15 minutes to share your passions, right? Whatever you're passionate about. What would you do in that moment? What would you say? How would you use that 15 minutes of fame? He, he said, imagine yourself standing at the Rocket Mortgage Arena up in Cleveland, right? And you're in front of these thousands of people. You have 15 minutes to say whatever. What are you going to say about Jesus? Are you going to say anything about him? How are you going to use your influence to draw others closer to him? And so this is kind of the heartbeat behind where we're going in this series. In last week, we got introduced to the kind of the, the character that we're uh, kind of basing this conversation around. Uh, his name is John the Baptist, and John is an unconventional influencer. How he had his circle of influence was, was very different. All right. And so Jeff kind of set the stage for us a little bit last week and gave us an understanding of really who he is. So let's just recap just a little bit for the sake of our conversation this weekend. So uh, why don't you go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew. All right, we're going to look at chapter three. All right, if you're going to use the Bibles in the chairs, feel free to do so. It's page 784 in those Bibles. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, please take that. Uh, our gift to you, uh, we want you to have that. And so it's going to be page 784 
uh, in the Bibles there in the chairs, but feel free to use the app. And so this is going to give us the backstory, a little bit of understanding of who John is. Here it is. All right. Matthew chapter three, verse four. You're going to have to help me with my clicker here. Don't know why it's not working. All right. We'll look at it here. All right. Matthew chapter three, starting in verse four, it says, Jesus, that's chapter four, not, there we go. All right. Verse four, it says, John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out uh, to him from Jerusalem, all of Judea, and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. All right, and so as we see uh, kind of this understanding of who John is, as we get an idea of him, we know that he had a brand And Jeff touched on that last week. And what was his brand? He was known as the man that was wearing clothes of camel hair. All right? That's interesting. We also know that he's an individual of the the wilderness, right? He's living off of the locusts and wild honey. And so we're getting this picture of who he is. But we also find out that John had an incredible following. It says people traveled all over from Jerusalem, the entire area of Judea, the region of the Jordan. People would come from all over to hear him. And so John had uh, quite the following. He had disciples who would follow his teaching, hear what he was going to say next. And we also know that John had connections. All right? Yes, he was well known and the word spread about him, but his lineage, his heritage here a little bit, we know that he's the cousin of Jesus. And so all of this is giving us this this understanding of his platform, right? His arena of influence towards other people. He had his brand. And last week, what we talked about with this idea of being an unconventional influencer is, is Jeff allowed us to see this, that he devoted his life uh, to making himself faceless all right, while making Jesus famous. Basically, his entire life, his entire ministry was to not bring light upon himself and what he was doing as he was baptizing people. Instead, he wanted all of the light to be on the coming Messiah. Really, the, the bulk of his ministry was even prior to, to Jesus even coming, what we read about Jesus in his ministry. And so he worked hard. He devoted himself to making himself faceless in order to make Jesus famous. And we see this and we're like, man, that really does make him this unconventional influencer towards other people. And so Matthew, the author of this book, you can even read about John the Baptist in the book of Luke. These authors have really set the the ground for us, have set the stage of what John's influence looked like. We know his brand. We know his purpose. And now today we're going to get into some good stuff because now we're actually going to press in to the first words recorded, all right, of what John said. And so up until this point, we're just learning about John, and now we're going to push into the good stuff and see what he says, all right? I can tell you're excited. Be ready for this. It's going to be good. All right, here we go. So let's look a little bit further here in Matthew 3. We're going to look at verse 7. Here's what it says. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, here we go, you, next slide, please, You brood of vipers, 
Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. All right, hold the phone here. All right, John, out of everything that you possibly could say, you start off with, you brood of vipers. Now I understand. Let's go to the, the, the series slide here. I understand why someone put sunglasses on this dude, all right? Because John is throwing some shade here a little bit. He's bringing some really hard truth to the Pharisees and Sadducees. And so his platform was set, and this is where he decided to go. At least what we know to be the first recorded words of John in Scripture. And so my goal for us today is I want to spend some time to really press into this. Like, why did he say this? What was the significance behind it? And so what we're going to do is we're actually going to tackle three questions. And for the sake of our conversation here today, all right, this interaction that John had with the Pharisees and Sadducees is really an unpopular conversation. And so you're going to hear me use that term here quite a bit. And so here are the three questions that we're going to press into today. Here's the first one. What is John saying in this unpopular conversation? So we're going to establish that. What is he really getting to when he throws out really some hard truth? Here's the second question. Who was John speaking to and why was that significant? All right, so we're going to press into who the Pharisees and Sadducees were as he's interacting with them. And the third question is this, what does this unpopular conversation have to do with us? What can we walk away with as we understand and get a picture of this unpopular conversation? All right, and so here we go. We're going to go ahead and jump in a little bit. And I, I just want to kind of be honest with you here for a moment. I'm fascinated by influencers, all right. And we can get in our mind who uh, maybe have been people who have influenced us personally in our lives. But we also have the, the realm of media that really brings a whole different context to influencers. And so as you think about particularly, you know, specifically here, the, the media influencers, all right, maybe it's the circle of politics, maybe it's the circle of sports, right? Maybe it's the, uh, the Instagram influencers, right? The, specifically the do-it-yourself home project influencers. Okay, I'm politely calling out my wife here, all right? Because this influencer influences our home big time, all right? Because there is a to-do list that I feel like I just can't accomplish, all right? Because of the influence that my wife uh, is experiencing from these people who are like, here's how to make your kitchen look great, all right? And it's been a project, but it's going well, all right? But think about influencers for a second. What an influencer is doing is delivering a truth. They're delivering a truth. And that truth tends to be what you and I want to hear. That's why we'll follow them, hence why they're influencing. But as we think about what a media influencer looks like, they're having to balance and really wrestle with culture. Because influencers that have their platform, let's say Instagram, they're not going to say something or do something that's going to rock the boat. And the reason why they're not going to do that is because they don't want to lose their follow followers. They're not going to jeopardize their platform. They, want, they don't want to put themselves in a position where they're going to be canceled. 
And so they're not going to rock the boat. And it's fascinating when we see that circle of influence, right, and how they use their platform, and we compare that to John the Baptist, we see an incredibly different example. In fact, we see John have the complete opposite mindset, where he doesn't really care so much about his platform. He's not worried about rocking the boat. Remember last week, he was an unconventional influencer because he was going to make himself faceless so that Jesus becomes famous. And what we're seeing this week is he's an unconventional influencer because he's not sharing his truth. He's sharing God's truth. And so he's not worried about what people think as he's talking there. And so this is what we're going to do. I want to go back to these verses here. Let's take a look again. All right, Matthew chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 7. And I just kind of want you to, to look through these, and we're going to press in a little bit to why he said what he did. All right, so we've established that this conversation, all right, is between John the Baptist and the Pharisees and Sadducees kind of park on that one for a little bit. We'll come back to it in a second. I want to start with what he actually said. You brood of vipers, right? See, what's happening is the context of this conversation at, was at a time where John was at the Jordan River. People were coming from all over the region to be baptized. They're coming to John and saying, man, I, I want to uh, be baptized so I can repent of my sins, my wrongdoings. I want to get right with God. These individuals, including the Pharisees and Sadducees, it was actually the, the, the pursuit of truth that brought them there that day. Right? Now, these individuals wanted to hear what, what John the Baptist was saying. He wanted to hear that truth. They did. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, I think truth was the reason, but I think it was a different mindset. I don't think it was to hear John's truth, but rather their own truth that brought them there that day. And so as we understand kind of what's happening here, as John's baptizing people, people are coming from all over. The Pharisees and Sadducees hear from John the Baptist, you brood of vipers. And he's looking at them and he's basically saying to them that you are individuals of a rotten condition. It's pretty blunt. It's pretty straightforward. And if we look at that phrase and we kind of do a little bit of study on it, you'll see that it's actually tied to all the way back into the book of Genesis chapter 3. And you look at Adam and Eve when they were in the garden, they were tempted by a serpent, a viper. And that serpent was Satan trying to tempt them and, and, to, and to get them to fall into temptation, and hence the story of sin. And so as we look at this, basically John the Baptist is looking at the Pharisees and Sadducees and saying, listen, you are children of Satan. You are in his grasp. You are following his ways. Wow, that's a really hard thing to hear. But then he continues on here, and he, and he starts pressing in. He's like, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And what he's referring to is something that we find later in chapter 3. He goes on, and he actually uh, paints this picture for us. And it's a really sobering spiritual warning of what is to come. 
All right, and we're not going to get into that too much today because we're going to hit on that at another week in this series. But he's saying, listen, who, who warned you to run from this coming wrath? And what he's saying, he's like, listen, something is coming, right? God's wrath, God's judgment is going to take place. And so remember, John the Baptist, his whole purpose of why he was doing his ministry was to make Jesus famous. And this was all before he even knew or met Jesus. He knew about this coming Messiah. And it was the coming Messiah, Jesus, that is the answer to help protect from the coming wrath. And so he's asking the Pharisees and Sadducees, like, how did you know? Who told you about this? And then he says, producing fruit in keeping with uh, repentance. Repentance was the purpose of why people were coming to him to be baptized, to be made new, to turn from the old way and kind of put on the new self after being baptized. And so he's really pressing into this. He's questioning. It's like, what's going on here? And then he says this, and this is fascinating. And do not think to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. See, this is interesting, and we're going to understand this a little bit more. But the Pharisees and Sadducees would have believed very strongly in this idea that Abraham is their father, right? They're talking about their lineage, right? The, The heritage of where they've come from. And the Pharisees and Sadducees would have put all of their eggs in the basket, of understanding and really knowing Abraham. It's because of who they are in their minds of what's gonna protect them from this coming wrath. And he's like, listen, you you shouldn't say that. And he gives us this picture. He's like, I tell you that out of these stones, he's doing a little bit of a word play, these stones from the river, looking at the other individuals that are in the river to be baptized. He's like, listen, God can actually raise up new children of Abraham. So let's not put all of the eggs in that basket. Let's not focus so much on where you've come from. And so as we look at this conversation, it's a hard one. It's a hard one to have. As we think about what John is actually saying. But I think the, one of the reasons why he said this was to look at the Pharisees and Sadducees and actually reveal what I like to call a blind spot. Something that I think we all have, and I'll I'll talk about that here in just a second, but I think what he's doing is helping them see that there is an area of their life that they're just missing the mark a little bit. And this conversation is helping us see that it's a, a pretty unpopular one to have if we think about having this in the context of our lives today. But as we look at the Pharisees and Sadducees and them hearing this and them missing the mark a little bit, how did they get to that place? And so let's understand the Pharisees and Sadducees a little bit. All right, we need to know that, that really both groups of men all right, are, are you know, Jewish leaders, all right. They were kind of viewed as uh, spiritual faith leaders. Right? The, the Pharisees you know, can be referred to as the, as the gatekeepers of Judaism. And what they did is they held this like legalistic, um, kind of rigid observation of the law. They, they devoted their entire lives to studying the Old Testament, the law. 
and trying to uh, kind of abide by the law the best that they could. They wanted their lives to line up with what the Old Testament says. And they, they really devoted their lives to preserving the Old Testament. To be honest, we can even thank them for preserving it so well that we are able to interact with the Old Testament that way. But they devoted their entire lives to this, to the truth of the law. And so really, they kind of lived their lives by the book. And as we see this, all right, we understand who they were. The other people that were there that day being baptized by John would have viewed the group of Pharisees and the group of Sadducees almost like spiritual celebrities. In fact, those groups, Sadducees and Pharisees, would have influenced the other people in that room because they would have been led by these men to follow this Mosaic law and to kind of live by the book. And so here, they're kind of these spiritual influencers, and they're hearing John call them out in a sense. And we're pressing into why. Pressing into understanding why John was, in a sense, so firm. And so as we look at this, I, I just, I can't help but imagine myself sitting there that day, right? Uh, if I was just kind of in attendance and I'm hearing uh, John call out the Pharisees and Sadducees, I'll be honest, I'll be pulling up a chair, popping some popcorn, drinking a Coke, and I am all in to see how this one plays out, all right? Because it is, it's, it's a pretty intense interaction, it's a hard conversation. On one side, you have this elite group of spiritual leaders who have devoted everything to live by this book, the truth in their minds, and his truth. And then you have John the Baptist, who is appointed by God to devote his life to preparing the way for Jesus and the importance of everything that Jesus represents, salvation, Hope, redemption, rescue, all of this. He's standing there and he's delivering truth. And so this is what's pointing us to having this, this unpopular conversation here. Because I think for you and I, we would struggle to have a direct conversation like this. We have to remember that John is not speaking his own truth, but rather God's truth. Something that as you read in the beginning of book of Matthew and or Luke, you know that this was something that was appointed to him before he was even born, that he was going to prepare the way. And so as he's interacting with the Pharisees and Sadducees, he's like, listen, this isn't, this isn't my truth. This is God's truth. And that's why he said it the way he did. And so as John is willing to have this unpopular conversation, I think it's important to note that I don't believe that John's heartbeat was to call out the Pharisees and Sadducees, to kind of call them out on the carpet, or in a sense, embarrass them in front of the other uh, Jewish individuals that were there. I don't think that was his heartbeat. I actually think he had a very clear motivation. And John's motivation uh, was love. The whole reason and the purpose of what he had to say, yes, even that hard truth of you brood of vipers, when we unpack it and when we understand it, he's willing to have this unpopular conversation because he cares. He loves them. And his desire is for them to know and understand who this coming Messiah is, who Jesus is. 
And so what he did is he spoke this hard truth to reveal a blind spot. And I'll be honest with you, I, I can relate to needing someone to have a hard conversation with me in order to be made aware of areas of struggle or weakness in my life. Right, as we think about a blind spot, it's usually something that we have no idea that we struggle with it. We get so set in our ways sometimes that we forget to see that there's some correction that we can have. And so as we think about maybe personally our own blind spots, I'll be honest, I remember specifically the conversations that people have had with me, much like John had with the Pharisees, where I've been called out on pride, where I've been called out on being really self-centered, or, or saying, listen, hey, you know what? You're just, you're just a little out of line there. You know, your, your, your arrogance is just getting the best of you there a little bit, Todd. I remember these conversations. And so as we understand, I know personally, I need to be reminded of God's truth. And to have someone come alongside of me and reveal some of these blind spots are important. But it's amazing how much I do not like those conversations. How immediately when I hear someone trying to lovingly correct, oof, you don't know me. Really? Yeah, you're not getting the full picture. And I'm telling you, for some of us, I think we can relate to that. We can relate to some of these areas where it's like, man, I just, I can't seem all right, to hear the person that's giving me this truth. I don't believe it. Well, it's this blind spot. And hear what John is doing for the Pharisees and says, listen, let, let me just show you. You're just a little bit off. You're just missing this. You were putting all of your focus and attention into being the sons of Abraham. You're focusing so much on being in that lineage, that heritage there, that you're missing this, the importance of this coming Messiah in needing Jesus to rescue. And so I think for us, there are some things that we can walk away with as we look at John's unpopular conversation. There's some takeaways for us. And I think we can bring these unpopular conversations into our lives to influence in the same way that John influenced. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't look normal, but I think it's incredibly powerful. And so here's what we're going to do. I, I want us to look at kind of two takeaways, two questions that we're going to wrestle with a little bit. And it helps us kind of see the importance of bringing some truth to these moments of blind spots in our lives and in others. All right. And so here's the first question that I want us to tackle is how do we approach having an unpopular conversation? So on this side of it, we're just saying, hey, how do we have an unpopular conversation? conversation. We need to remember the first thing, and, and we've kind of already established this, that this conversation needs to be done out of love. And the reason why I am so confident that John said this hard truth out of love was landing on this idea that he wasn't talking about his truth. Influencers, remember, tend to tell truth that you and I want to hear. I guarantee it, the Pharisees and Sadducees did not want to hear this truth. They knew exactly what that meant. 
Remember, they, they're experts of, of the Old Testament. They knew that they were being referred to as children of Satan. They didn't like that. They weren't feeling all warm and fuzzy about that one. And so influencers tend to bring truth that we want to hear. John the Baptist is saying, no, listen, this isn't my truth. This is God's truth. And he wants you to hear this. And it kind of just exemplifies that his conversation with the Pharisees and Sadducees was completely done out of love. And it's important for us to understand that when we interact with somebody, when we are needing to bring some hard truth to a conversation, that we're might, we might be revealing a, a blind spot to someone, we need to remember that it needs to be done out of love. The second thing is this, it must be done confidently. And the reason why I say confidently is because we have to remember the reason at why we're having that conversation. Remembering that it's not our truth and that it's God's truth and that we're speaking to them out of love should give us a boldness and a confidence to be able to have that conversation. John didn't hold back. John wasn't like, oh man, do I, do I tell them this? Like, what, man, what are they going to think, right? How are they going to react? No. He comes out boldly because he knows the importance of that truth. And this truth is backed up by the truth of scripture, right? As he's looking at this and as, he's, as, as, as John is remembering what his purpose on this earth was to prepare the way for Jesus, it gave him that confidence. And in the same way, knowing who our God is, knowing what scripture says, when we interact with the ones that we love, we can do so confidently because we want them to see that there's an area that they can improve. So it's gotta be done out of love it's got to be done confidently, and it also needs to be done consistently. As we think about consistency, it's important before going into that conversation that we do a little bit of a self-check. And what I mean by that is this conversation, our identity should not be attached to this conversation in any way. And what I mean by that is that the outcome the reaction, we shouldn't care about too much. We shouldn't be worried about how the individual or what the individual is going to think about us. We believe confidently that this is a truth that they need to hear. And we're going to approach it in a loving way. And so I think it's important that we're also consistent with our character, knowing that we're approaching this conversation in a way that we're not being hypocritical. Because if this is an area that I struggle with myself, I have no business having this conversation. I need to work on myself first. And so these hard conversations, this unpopular conversation, when we're having it with someone, it's got to be done lovingly. It's got to be done confidently, knowing where the truth is, is built off of. And we need to be consistent. All right? And so that's how we have the conversation. The other takeaway that we learn from John's interaction, conversation with the Pharisees and Sadducees is, man, how do we hear? How do we receive this unpopular conversation? This one, <laughs> this one's a little bit more tough to, to kind of wrestle with a little bit. This one's difficult because now it's about us. 
But there's a process that I think that we can kind of prepare ourselves to have. All right, first off, we got to trust that the person who's about ready to uh, have this conversation with us is taking into consideration what we just talked about, right? They might not lay it out the way that we just laid it out, but I would hope that they're approaching it out of love, that they're doing it confidently and consistently as well. That's going to help our conversation. But for us to receive this unpopular conversation, we first must, must do it humbly. We must approach this conversation in a humble manner. Because if you're anything like me, as soon as someone comes up to me and starts telling me uh, that I have an area of weakness or that I've done something wrong, boom, walls go up, right? I immediately become defensive. There's no way, you don't know me. So don't say that, right? But what I find is that when I leave that conversation, they do know me. And there tends to be some of that truth that lies in that conversation that I tend to just blow off. But in all reality, I need to take that truth and I need to begin applying it to my life. And so this idea of approaching this unpopular conversation in a humble manner becomes a very important tool Pastor Jeff actually shared in the last series that we just did uh, called Toxic. Uh, he actually gave us a very practical tool that I can't seem uh, to get out of my head because I see it showing up so often. And, and he's talking about our relationships with each other and how we interact. And it applies to our context of our conversation here today so well. He encouraged us to display 60 seconds of humility in our moments, right, whatever that interaction or conversation may be. And in this conversation, when someone is bringing a hard truth to us, to be able to approach it first with 60 seconds of humility actually begins to prepare us for this conversation. Because what happens is instead of the walls going up and you becoming defensive, you're now open you're now ready to at least, the second part, listen. We have to listen. How often when someone brings this hard truth to you, when the walls go up, it's like the earplugs go in. Yeah, I don't need to hear that. Ugh, that's not important. But when we display 60 seconds of humility, it puts us in a position to be open to hearing what the individual has to say. And we have to trust that they're doing their part to approach the conversation effectively and healthy. And I understand that there's times where that's not true and, and you can you know, be the judge of that, I guess. But I'm talking about approaching a conversation in an unpopular way. We have to be open to listen to the truth that they are saying. That truth could be the very thing that is going to move us forward in our relationship with Jesus to help get right and to kind of get back on track. But if we don't hear it, we're not going to be able to improve that way. So here's kind of the reality. Each of us has a blind spot. Each of us has an area where we can improve and, and work in our, in our walk with Christ because we're all fallen creatures. 
We're all sinful. Now, I'm not going to go so far to say that we're a brood of vipers. That's John's business, not mine. But I will do this. I will stand up here confidently saying that every single one of us, we're in need of Jesus. We're in need of a rescuer. We're in need of a savior to come so that we don't experience God's wrath. And that truth, that's what motivated John. That gave him the platform to influence in a very unconventional way. He wanted the Pharisees and Sadducees to, to draw near to Christ. And it's the same truth that we can walk away from this understanding for ourselves. And so I want us to take a minute. I want us to just process it personally. I want us to think through John, his way of influence was unique, but it was powerful. It was impactful. And as I look at this example, as he prepared the way for Jesus, I think every single one of us, you and I, have the opportunity to influence just like he did. Remembering that John was delivering God's truth, not his own. And that was the motivation to speak that hard truth to the Pharisees and Sadducees. What if that heartbeat was the same heartbeat for you and I as we interact with the people that we love. You see, John wanted Jesus to be known. He wanted him to be famous. And I'm confident that every single one of us can think of one person right here, right now. One person who needs to know Jesus. What if we became a John the Baptist to them? What if we began to influence in an unconventional way like he did? The band's going to come out, and I, I just want us to, to have some space to think about it a little bit. We've given you some practical tools and this is, a, I think, a skill that when we understand it and we put it into practice, I think it's going to revolutionize our lives a little bit. And I also think it's going to impact our relationships with other people. And so I have a couple questions that I just want you to be thinking about, and then we'll pray. What if we took John's example, where he delivered some hard truth? He had the unpopular conversation, but it influenced. It influenced others towards Christ. What if we put that practice into our own lives? Then the second thing, what would it look like for you with that person in mind to begin figuring out how we can have the unpopular conversation with them to do it lovingly, to do it with confidence, and to do it consistently. But then on the flip side of that, are we in a position where we can also receive that hard truth in hopes that they know Jesus and in hopes that we do as well as we long after him? Would you pray with me?
Jesus, thank you. Thank you for just this truth, Lord. As we see this example of who John the Baptist was and how he devoted his life to making you famous, Lord, thank you for that. But Lord, my prayer is that we could understand just the the important truth of knowing that there are times where hard conversations have to be had and they make us uncomfortable. That's why they're unpopular, Lord. But Lord, I pray that we would have that confidence to be able to have those loving conversations to help bring people closer to you. Lord, I pray that that's the same truth as we receive those. And so God, as we take these tools, I pray for opportunities to put them into practice this week. That's our prayer. Lord, we love you. Thank you for everything that you do in each one of our lives. We pray this in your name, amen. Would you just take a minute and process those questions while the band leads us?